This is Jesse James live on 12 Out Sports Radio on the Jesse James Show. Hope everyone out there is having a good night. And shout out to 12 Out Sports Radio for continuing to allow me to do my solo show. And shout out to Jeff, of course, the Hefe. Or the Jeff A, as some, someone called him, but it's definitely Hefe, I'm pretty sure. Um, J's or H's in Spanish people. Um, I took Spanish this semester. So, I'm going to go a little monologue to start the show out tonight. And shout out to Primetime. Uh, he was saying something good, but I guess the uh, radio jar uh, cut him off. But uh, he check him out. He is uh, definitely someone that I've worked with on 12 Ounce. And you could find him at P-O-P-D-I-B-I-A-S-E. That is the primetime capper. And he gives you a lot of gambling picks and a lot of spreads. And he's uh, been a good addition to the 12-ounce family. In fact, he might have been here longer than me. I, I don't know when most of these people showed up. So I just know I was here and then there was a bunch of shows. So when I was little, baseball was my favorite sport. There was not a question in my mind that as a child, it was the best game ever invented. So I was adopted at six years old and moved to Pittsburgh. Well, during that time, the Pirates were very good, so I got to go to five Pirates games, including one on my eighth birthday. I'm pretty sure it's my, yeah, it was my eighth birthday because we were about to move from Pittsburgh to Little Rock. And so I got to see players like Ken Griffey Jr. and I got to see Barry Bonds in it play for the Pirates. I got to see, and over the years I've gotten to see Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez. I've seen the Indians play live, so I I don't remember exactly what year that was or who was on the team. I think Jim Tomey was still with the Indians at that time. Uh, Maybe Manny Ramirez. I think I went in like 2001. Anyways, I got to see all these big-time baseball players playing while I grew up. I've also got to see McGuire and Sosa in 98. Well, I saw McGuire in 98 during the home run chase in St. Louis. He had a three-run home run to win the game. I saw Sammy Sosa in 2002 on a mission trip to Chicago with my youth group. And so this whole rambling about baseball does have a point. So we just had Lee Smith and Harold Baines make it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Lee Smith and Harold Baines. Currently, the all-time, and, and I'm not disrespecting either one of those guys, but I'm under the opinion that if Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, then how the hell is Edgar Martinez not? But that's, we might even argue about that tonight, even though I have no one here to argue with me about it. Here's my issue. Is, what are we defining as a Hall of Famer? And, what standard are we holding the hall of the people that we are inducting into the hall of fame? Because it seems like there's no set standard. Now, obviously the steroid issue is a reason that they use for keeping guys like Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, et cetera, et cetera, out of the hall of fame. Here's the issue with that. And my mic level's not picking up too well. So I apologize. Um, here's my issue with that. How are we going to have a baseball Hall of Fame where the guy with the most Cy Youngs, the guy with the most home runs, and the guy with the most hits, none of those people are in the Hall of Fame. And so, that's the issue I have. And this is 
Now, I did hear that there's nobody that has the same numbers as Harold Baines with the, the number of batting average RBIs and home runs that's not in the Hall of Fame. So was it the Hall of Fame or Hall of Really, Really Good? Lee Smith was the leading saves leader at the time when he retired. He has since been passed by Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera. I don't think anybody would argue that Lee Smith is, was better than Dennis Eckersley or that he was better than Mariano or that he was better than Trevor Hoffman. Maybe Trevor Hoffman could be an argument. And so we're getting to a point with these Hall of Fames that, and especially in the case of Harold Baines, let's, let's, let's stop it. Let's be honest. We know how Harold Baines got into the Hall of Fame this year. It's because he knew the people that were on the committee and so that's how Harold Baines made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame and so it's unfair to guys who don't have those personal connections to where is this game about results or is this game about the voters and of course I've always had issues with the baseball writers because I feel like a lot of them hold grudges and Barry Bonds, and I understand if you're in the position that you don't want to put people who cheat the game into the Hall of Fame. I'm okay with that. But we can't have a Hall of Fame with Harold Baines and possibly Jeff Kent in it and not have Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, at least those two. Um, you could say that A-Rod's career was tainted the whole time. I never thought that Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa should be in the Hall of Fame just because I don't think... There, maybe McGuire... But I never thought Sosa was a Hall of Famer without steroids. And so, it's just a little issue that I have with how with how the Hall of Fame voting goes. And so, I don't know why that was weird. I just got an echo of um, something playing. And so, but, yeah, it's, I just feel like it's ingenuine. It's disingenuous to have a Hall of Fame with not the best players in the Hall of Fame to me. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. And I think we could do a better job at finding out a way to finding out a way to making sure that we have the absolute best players in the Hall of Fame. Now, whether or not you think that Harold Baines and Lee Smith deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, I mean, I, I could listen to the arguments. Um... I don't think you have to win MVPs to get into the Hall of Fame, but I think there's, I mean, because there used to be standards, right? It used to be 3,000 hits, you're pretty much automatically in. 500 home runs before the steroid issue. You're, and if you had five, if you had like 403,000 or like 2,900 hits and like 400 home runs, you're pretty set to get in. But let's, when Vladimir Guerrero got into the Hall of Fame, it's just, I remember seeing. Now, okay, so when Frank Thomas got in, I was like, duh. Because there for about three or four years, he was one of the top two or three best hitters in baseball, without a doubt. And I did, I've never felt that way about Harold Baines. And I honestly would say that I would take Edgar Martinez over Harold Baines. Now, I think Harold Baines was a really, really, really good player. But once again, it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of really, really, really good. There's a lot of really good players who didn't make the Hall of Fame. Guys like Fred McGriff and Jim Rice. Actually, I don't know if Jim Rice is in the Hall of Fame. But there's guys around that that 390, 400 home run uh, area of numbers that didn't get into the Hall of Fame. 
and doesn't mean they weren't great players. Because Roy Halladay to me is going to be interesting because, I mean, rest in peace, but also the fact that his career ended a little prematurely. But you, but if you watched, especially in Toronto and Philadelphia, I mean, you just come on. I mean, it was phenomenal what he did during his stretch. And I just don't want to have a Hall of Fame without the best players in it. I get steroids is cheating per se, but it was a sport-wide problem. I get that Pete Rose bet on baseball, but at the end of the day, I don't care if you wait till after they die. I don't want to go into a Hall of Fame and be like, hey, why are y'all just pretending like this stuff never happened? Because Bonds was a phenomenal baseball player. And I don't think Harold Baines was phenomenal. thought he was really good, but phenomenal should be what gets you into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the winter meetings are going on right now. There's a lot of talk of where Bryce Harper is going to go. It looks like the Yankees aren't pursuing him just because it's crazy what baseball players get offered on these contracts. Like a 10-year contract is ridiculous. I don't remember the last time a baseball player held up a 10-year contract. Uh, you see it this offseason where guys are getting traded one, two years into their deals. And so... I just think it would be very dumb for someone to pay Bryce Harper the amount of money that Scott Boris is going to end up getting him. Now, I think Bryce Harper's really good, but he's not the best player in baseball. That would be Mike Trout. And he's not had the greatest two years in the last two years. I mean, this year, his batting average was terrible. And, you know, he's gonna he hits a lot of home runs. And I think Bryce Harper is a really good player. I don't know if the contract year got to him or the pressure of... You know, having to answer questions about what he's doing in the offseason with regards to his free agency. And so, I think that... Let's see, someone tweeted at me. Oh, thank you, Chris America, for retweeting my tweet. And so, where was I? Oh, talking about free agency and Bryce Harper. I just don't think someone... I don't think he should get a 10-year contract. I mean, he won't be worth the money in year 789. He won't make it to 789, most likely. And I'll give you, it's kind of like when the Angels gave Albert Pujols all that money. And it's like, did y'all not see the decline coming? And maybe I didn't either. And maybe hindsight is 20-20 or 50-50 if you're Cam Newton. But I think it's definitely, I I just don't think he's worth that money. I think Mike Trout is. And so it'll be interesting to see where Harper lands. And the Phillies signed Andrew McCutcheon. And then now they had had already traded Carlos Santana to Seattle. And now Carlos Santana is back in Cleveland. And seeing where Machado is, I think Machado is going to be a Yankee. I really do. I think Machado is going to be a Yankee. And I I think Harper is going to go. I think Harper is going to the Dodgers. I think that's that's where I just feel like he's going to end up. I think that the Dodgers are going to make one splash move. I mean, they've been to the World Series two years in a row and just haven't been able to get the job done. Which is sad because, I mean, there's a lot of players on that roster that I like. And obviously, Corey Seager was hurt last year. So, for anyone who likes baseball, that was a little bit of baseball talk for you. Brought to you by Jesse Williams. That is me on the Jesse James Show on 12 Ounce Sports Radio or on the TuneIn app. Um, I don't have any of the drops to read in front of me, but if you go to 12 Ounce Sports Radio... Uh, I think there's a code you can put in for tea time. It's like uh, book like a pro. And so I'll, I'll leave that. I'll learn, I'll, I'll learn those drops and start reading them for the boss man. 
but y'all make sure to check out the 12 ounce sports radio website there's articles on there there's merchandise that you can buy pretty fly merchandise too there's actually this swimsuit i want to get for my wife she's like i'm like would you wear it she's like well maybe and i'm like well, i'm not gonna buy it if you're not gonna wear it but it'd be cool you know but maybe if i got a swimsuit like if i got a swimsuit made for her that had like the jesse james show on it because i don't even have a logo yet um and so there's a football game I want to switch over to the NFL for a little bit and then maybe get into some NBA talk. So right now, well, actually, let me check my phone. There should be, there is, there's three minutes and 30 seconds left and the Chiefs are up a touchdown on the Los Angeles Chargers, who I still want to call the San Diego Chargers because I have no idea why the Chargers are in Los Angeles. It makes no sense to me. But... And it looks like Kansas City has the ball at third and 13 from their own eight. Oh, wow. And so, oh, Kansas City was up 28-14. Okay. Because Damian Williams, who I've never heard of before in my life, he has two touchdowns. And then the Chargers scored. This is my problem with the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel when that sack's actually going to take time off the clock. But I feel like if Kansas City gets in close games and they have a lead, that they're not really built to run out the clock. Because I'm looking at their last... So, at 3.49 left in the fourth quarter, uh, the Chargers scored a touchdown. There's 3.30 left on the clock start on, on the third down play. So, now it'll be like 2.50. So... I don't see how you don't waste more time. Now, maybe the Chargers call some timeouts, but I just feel like you should be able to, to, to run the clock down a little better if you can. City. I still think they're supremely talented, but as you can see, I mean, they're not running the ball the same ever since Kareem Hunt got released, for good reason, obviously. And so the Chargers are going to have the ball at their own 40-yard line with 2 minutes and 37 seconds. And that brings up a good topic of conversation that a lot of people disagree with me on, and that is I think that Phillip Rivers is, an, is a Hall of Famer. I know he doesn't have the postseason success, but, and that's the train going by because it goes by every night during my radio show. Of course it does. <laughs> so, inside joke, from when I was in Africa, we had this girl named Lindsay Umana, and she would laugh and say, of course you are. And so it drives my wife crazy, who's actually at work right now, taking care of some peoples. And so, yes, a lot of people think that I'm crazy when I say that Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. My question is, and we're going back to the subject of Hall of Fames, when did we base the Hall of Fame base? I mean, when, did, when was part of the criteria winning in the postseason, Right. Dominique Wilkins is a Hall of Famer in the NBA, and he lost in the first round like every year. Um, the winningest coach in NBA history has no championships. It was Lenny Wilkins. He has one, but uh, Don Nelson passed him. Jerry Sloan has no championship. We still regard him as a really good coach. Jim Harbaugh. People like to tell me how great he is. He has no championships in anything. And so... We don't do it to coaches. Marv Levy is considered a great coach, even though he lost four Super Bowls. 
we have, and the thing about it is, is especially in football, it's in basketball, you play offense and defense, unless you're James Harden, then you just play offense. And you're out there for the defense, but you're not playing any defense. Oh, Phillip Rivers out here balling. And so the knock on Phillip Rivers is when it comes playoff time, his teams have underachieved and they miss the playoffs a lot. The problem is, is Phillip Rivers isn't the GM and he isn't the coach and he doesn't and he can't play defense and he can't tackle people and he can't cover people. And so I think there's some years you can put it on Phillip Rivers and I think there's other years he was also in a conference with Brady, Manning, the good one, Peyton, and Big Ben Roethlisberger. Wild joke. Now, the only knock you can say is if you're that good, how are you going to let Joe Flacco? Now, Joe Flacco was backed by a really, really, really good defense, and the Chargers seem to have devastating injuries every year. And so the two-minute warning has come up. It is 28-21, and the Chargers have the ball on the Kansas City 39. This should get interesting because they could tie the game or they could go for two and lose. I think that they'll probably tie and settle to go into overtime. I still think we picked Kansas on a, the kicker in the outlaw show today with or the outlaw and the villain with David and I today on 12 Out Sports Radio. We both predicted that Kansas City would win, but I figured it'd be close just because it's a Thursday night game. They're in the same division. I don't know, I don't know who's rivals anymore between some of these teams. I know they play twice a year, but sorry, I was a little thirsty. And so, yeah, this game has been interesting, and I think it brings up an interesting conversation about quarterbacks because, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is balling this year, and everyone already wants to crown him. So he's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Stuff happens, people. Stuff happens. Injuries. Um, Guys is getting off track. Defense is figuring your quarterback out. You could – none of this is guaranteed in sports. It is very, very possible that any of these guys could figuratively fall off a cliff at any time. I would hope they wouldn't literally fall off a cliff because that'd be sad. And then they'd probably die. And we don't want that. And so ESPN is trying to send me all these updates. But I'm watching highlights right now of the Houston, or I guess it's really just LeBron highlights, of the uh, Houston Lakers game, which the Lakers lost. We're going to the NBA a little bit later. Um, I don't want to cover actual games because I did that for an hour today on air already. But I would like to say there are some pretty terrible football games going on. And I I don't want to talk about the results because David and I already did that. But um, Arizona-Atlanta, I don't want to watch that. Detroit-Buffalo, eh. Cincinnati-Oakland is going to be pretty awful. Denver-Cleveland, I think, is going to be a pretty bad game. Uh, Tampa Bay at Baltimore, not very intriguing. Miami at Minnesota, eh. But then, but then uh, Washington and Jacksonville. So you've got Josh Johnson playing against, who's the, who's the quarterback for the Jags? Oh, Cody Kessler, which Blake Borders wouldn't make him any better. So in the league right now, Kansas City and L.A. play. Their quarterbacks are both healthy. Houston and the Jets, their quarterbacks are healthy. Arizona and Atlanta, they got healthy quarterbacks. Detroit and Buffalo, they're good there. Green Bay, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Oakland, you've got Jeff Driscoll playing for Cincinnati. That's disgusting. I don't want to see that. Um, you still got Lamar Jackson playing for Baltimore, which this is getting kind of interesting, but I fear that they're just going to figure him out. Maybe not this year, but the mobile quarterbacks who don't 
have good fundamentals on the pocket always seem to get exposed. I mean, Tebow, that they wanted Tebow in the NFL, so all the, all the fans and Skip Bayless wanted Tim Tebow in the NFL, but he was throwing for like 49%. And I just refuse to have conversations with people about Tim Tebow that obviously have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm not saying Skip Bayless, I mean, I mean him too, but I mean just regular people that are like, well, he won a playoff game. Okay, that's really easy to say because it is a fact and it's true. But no one ever looks at the extenuating circumstances behind that game. No one talks about the fact that Roethlisberger's leg was banged up, so he wasn't able to get outside the pocket as much. They totally neutralized him, and he was relegated to just being a pocket quarterback, which he can do, but it's... The thing that makes Roethlisberger great is the getting outside of the pocket stuff. Getting outside of the pocket and receivers changing their routes and getting open. That kind of thing. What they also don't talk about is because the game was in Denver, Ryan Clark couldn't play because he has sickle cell issues. Which is, like, blood gets real thin and so if he plays in that high altitude, he could die. Right? So they don't bring that up. They don't bring up the fact that before that... So they were at the 20... I think 2025. So it was like an 80. It was yeah, because it was the 20. They didn't move to the 25 till recent. Like you know, so it said the kickers are almost guaranteed to kick the ball out of bounds for safety issues. Yeah, blah blah blah. Um. So Tebow had 220 yards passing before that 80 yard pass on like eight completions. So and I think he was like eight of 19 or something like that before. So. They paint this picture like, like when people talk about Tebow in that playoff game, they have to like Tebow was out here going 24 for 33 for 309 yards and three touchdowns. It's like, nah, bro. He had, he threw the ball and the receiver stiff armed to play and then went on for a touchdown. Or I think he ran past him or someone slipped or something. I, I don't want to really dive into it because it's not the greatest memory. Because I have to be like, Steelers, Tebow beat the Steelers, Tebow beat the Steelers. It's like, no, the Broncos beat the Steelers. And thank goodness that your defense was so good that they could survive with you putting up like 13 points. Because, and I like Tim Tebow personally. Like, I like what he stands for. And I think he's a really, I think he's a really good football analyst for college. I think he's, I think he's really good at his job and he seems to be okay at baseball. Um, but... Anyways, we got off on a Tebow tangent, but that's kind of how I'm feeling about guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Is yeah, Lamar Jackson? I mean, I'm sorry, Josh Allen can run, but is he going to be able to sit in the pocket and carve up a defense? Because at some point in your NFL career, you are going to have to do that. You are going to have to. Your defense may not be playing well. You may not. Your team may not be able to run the ball. Your offensive line may not be giving you the greatest protection ever. You may have a receiver out. You may have a tight end out. Your coach might be really dumb at calling plays. At some point, the quarterback has to be able to take over a game when he's got... Now, obviously, he can't control what happens on defense. I mean, he could be out here tripping people, but, yeah, that'll get you ejected. But the quarterback, on a serious note, the quarterback can control a lot because he when the, he, he makes the decisions of where that football is going to go. And that's the exact reason why I don't buy into Kirk Cousins. Because I've seen it way too many times where he needs to carry the team. And it's like, he's like, no, man, like I need everything to be good. And I just want to come out here and throw the ball and everyone else do all the work. 
you've seen Brady, the, the last year's Super Bowl, and I, you know I hate giving, I hate computers sometimes. Um, now I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, oh, Tom Brady. We watched in the Super Bowl last year while Brady's defense is getting carved to shreds, him go out there and throw for 500 yards. And so, I hate the fact that I have to do this show on a laptop because it keeps, Facebook keeps popping stuff up on me. So, sorry about that. But we saw Tom Brady when, when the, when the money was on the line. I, I was looking for a, a cliche saying to say there and my, my brain kind of froze up. But when it was time to put his money where his mouth was, Tom Brady delivered. And I know he fumbled the ball and they lost the Super Bowl, but we've seen quarterbacks like Brady, Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, even Eli in the playoffs. I mean, for all the knocks that I have against Eli, really it's just about the interceptions. Eli is very capable of driving a team down the field for a win. He just might forget what jersey his team wears, what color jersey his team wears. And so... That's why, like, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck might put you in a hole, but he is definitely capable of getting you out of one. I think Patrick Mahomes. Jared Goff, we'll see. I think we're a little too hype on Jared Goff just because he's got so much around him. Let's see what, I mean, and he's, he's had some really bad games this year. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I thought, I, I think he's good, and I think he's still good. I mean, young quarterbacks are going to have these three interception games. It happens. I mean, I throw for three interceptions every game on Madden, but I can start the game over, so that's a little bit different. And so, oh yes, some dude in the army messaging me on Facebook. All right, so before we go to commercial break, we're gonna give an update. Oh, there's, oh, first and goal with eight seconds left. Oh, there was defensive pass interference. Kansas City just took a timeout. I don't know. Wow. Or maybe. Okay. So I guess the, the clock had stopped anyways. So the Chargers have the ball first and goal at the Kansas City one with eight seconds left in the fourth quarter. So it looks like if they score, this game will go to overtime. And Patrick Mahomes had a pretty pedestrian day. 23 or 34 for 243 yards. Phillip Rivers, 312 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. And so... I don't really take stats too much into consideration. Oh, they just scored a touchdown. Dude, how mad would you be <laughs> if you're Philip if you're Philip Rivers and the rest of the Chargers and this kicker goes out here and like kicks this dang extra point off the upright? So I'm gonna try to stay on air until the upright happens so I can give y'all an update. I don't even know if there's any of y'all out there listening live, but that's cool. Um, if not, then I can just send this to the podcast. And so, oh, the play's under review. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And this has been the Jesse James Show on 12 Ounce Sports Radio and Tuned In Radio app. And we will be back after these messages from 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Hello, and thanks for listening to 12 Ounce Sports Radio. If you'd like... 910-7472. This is Jesse Williams back on the Jesse James show on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. And 
Actually, if y'all will give me one second, I'll be right back. I just realized I have to go grab something out of my room real quick, but stay right here. I'll be right back. Sorry about the dead air. Uh, we may have a guest on for part or the rest of the show. Ian from The Kicker and the Outlaw, who wears many, many hats, may be coming on air very soon. And so, I was going over the games... Or, I'm sorry, I was going over the game that happened, and in case you are wondering, the Sandy... See, there I go, trying to call them the San Diego Chargers again. The Los Angeles Chargers have defeated the Kansas City Chiefs on the road to tie them for the division lead at 11-3 by going for two. So, Mike Williams ends up with 76 yards and two touchdowns, and the two-point conversion to win the game. So, congratulations to the Los Angeles Chargers. That is another game that I got wrong. But, you know, in, in the clutch, Phillip Rivers came through. I mean, this is why I would take a guy like Phillip Rivers over Kirk Cousins any day of the week. Because Phillip Rivers has shown time and time again that he is not afraid to, t- to chunk that ball down the field and attempt to get his team a victory. And shout out to the Chargers. Um, the AFC is now getting very interesting because you have a New England going into Pittsburgh. And not that I think that Pittsburgh can get a number one or a number two seed, but if they were to beat New England this week, that would give New England, I want to say, four losses on, on the year. I need to look up these standings real quick. Um... ESPN's app sometimes. It's not really that bad. But, alright, pulling up the standings on my phone. Yes, yeah, so New, oh, New England already has four losses, so this would give them five losses and make them nine and five. And it's going to be very interesting because of the way the NFL does their seeding. Even if whoever doesn't win the AFC West, no matter of their record, is going to end up with no better than the fifth seed. Because the top four seeds go to division winners, which I personally don't like. I think that, yes, I think that if you win your division, you should make the playoffs, regardless of record. But I think they should then reseed it in order of wins and losses. And I know you could argue that all the divisions aren't created equally and stuff like that. So... And, and and I would like to have that argument with like people in studio or with a guest on the line, but because you I mean you, we could talk about playoff reseeding and all that, and do we need to have conferences and and that's really more of an NBA talk kind of thing, just because it's the conferences are a lot more seemingly unequal in the NBA than they are in the NFL, and so. I don't know if Ian's coming on. Oh, it looks like Ian has popped up in the studio. So I'm going to put my headphones on. I see his little 
face icon has lit up, but I do not hear him yet. And so hopefully he will come into my ear and give us some of his insights as he actually got to watch the game. Shoot, man, not much. Just doing this show. Been watching TV all day. Just, I finished all my finals. Um, yeah, and I was following the game. I, I didn't realize that was you texting me earlier because I de- I deleted that number because you said you got a new phone. So, but um, yeah, I did. Uh, but uh, it was crazy. Uh, the game I watched most of it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes yardage wise had a mediocre game to his standards but his he had one pass that like Troy even said on the telecast he said it was like a shortstop trying to turn a double play Ingram I believe he's the outside linebacker for the Chargers came on a blitz and was in his face which mind you uh, Mahomes could not see his receiver Conley like five yards in front of him turns throws it sidearm basically blindfolded because he couldn't see the receiver yeah. He hits the receiver in the hands. Well, guess what? The receiver wasn't ready because he couldn't see Mahomes. I'm like, that's that's just not fair. Yeah. This fool can just drop it down sidearm and throw a perfect spiral right into his chest and misses it. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that his dad pitched in the major leagues? Has everything to do with it. I believe he grew up uh, playing baseball and football and just realized football player and maybe a pitcher even though he can throw a football like 95 miles an hour yeah he, he can he can chunk that rock for sure yeah because I mean I was following this game a little bit um in the second half and it seemed like Kansas City was either up by a touchdown or two touchdowns but I made a point on air that I, I would like you to address so uh I keep wanting to call him San Diego <laughs> the Chargers scored with like three minutes and 49 seconds left by the time the Chargers got the ball back, there were still like two minutes and 50 seconds left on the clock. And so I don't know if uh, the Chargers were using timeouts, but this is the thing that in a close game with the Chiefs leading, I feel like they, they're they so used to being explosive that I don't know if they, and without Kareem Hunt and a damaged running game, I don't know if they have the ability to know how to uh, run the clock out basically. Nick Wright has his own show? It was the Nick Wright Chris Cardo uh, show. Oh, first things first, yeah. Yeah, Chris Carter basically said, I don't know if they know how to win close games. And they were like, well, they won that game against uh, the Ravens and something. Uh, Bart Scott said, yeah, but you play a team with a good quarterback team. Because they've lost close now to the Chargers, to the Rams, and to the Patriots. The three best teams they've played all year. And two of those have long, probably Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Long career Hall of Fame quarterbacks. That's going to kill Kansas City. And look what you have in the AFC. Ben Roethlisberger, Tom 
Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, maybe a Joe Flacco. Like you got possible Hall of Fame, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that they have to face. Can they hold on to wins like that? That's the biggest thing that worries me them about the playoffs, and because. Everyone, and, and I see this every year in the NFL when you get that new exciting team like the Rams. And I mean, last year, everybody was like, oh my gosh, the Rams are so good. And, and then they were like, oh, wait a minute, Philadelphia can like literally do everything except, I guess, cover the Patriots. And then this year, it's, I mean, it's Kansas City and the Saints. And everyone's been kind of drooling over the Rams too. But Honestly, I, I just thought of something. A Kansas City New Orleans Super Bowl would be awesome. But I just, I just, man, I don't, I don't know if it's Andy Reid or the fact that these high-scoring offenses almost always get shut down in the playoffs. Look at the 2001 Rams when Brady got his first ring. That was like one of the highest-scoring offenses of all time, and they got just like Brady got shut down against the Giants. I mean, a lot of these offenses, Peyton Manning against the Wind and the Seahawks. Yeah, when I found out that Peyton Manning Super Bowl was against the Seahawks was in New York and it was outside, I'm like, this is not going to be good. Yeah, it, in this time of year, it, it definitely depends on uh, weather, what stadium you're in, and all those things. But it seems like offenses don't travel as well as people do in some odd But there's, I mean, if you can run the ball, it can help your quarterback out a lot. Well, the thing about offense is it's so much based on timing, and then when you're in a hostile environment and you've got the distraction of the op- of the of the home team's crowd, and you're, and it's hard to hear stuff in your headset. I just think there's a lot more that goes into it, and, and it just, it's, it's probably just a comfort thing. I mean, you could you could tackle people anywhere, but yeah, you're right. Defenses do seem to travel better than offenses, so. Yeah, I've seen that, and I was wondering. I thought they were going to kick the uh, extra point, and then I, I kind of made a joke, and it's like, how would Philip Rivers feel if it's a kicker comes out here and clangs it off the right upright? Well, they just went for it, and I mean, I, I'm all about teams going for the win, especially I mean on the road. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't think they would have done it if they were pushing for a playoff spot, but since the Chargers are, are pretty much safe, safely in then I don't think they had too much to worry about. They had to win the game because if you lose that game, you don't have a chance that you're automatically the fifth seed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because Kansas City would have clinched with the win tonight. I gotta get here, but I gotta get up early and go to work. Alright, man, well that... Oh yeah, man, thanks for coming on. That was Ian from our show, The Kicker and the Outlaw, which you can listen to on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time or 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time, which is the time zone that we are in. And, um, yeah, you can go look at a map if you want to know about the Mountain in the Pacific Times. Um, Just because my math is terrible, I'm not trying to do all that math right now. But yeah, uh, that's, and, and actually this Tuesday, it'll be the villain, David Dillavu, and me on the Tuesday show. And then Ian will be back for the Thursday show. So look out for the live retweet on Twitter 
or listen to us live on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, presented by a whole bunch of other things that I don't have the drops, but we'll get we'll get to reading those. So that was good. I had a good time talking to my boy about that Kansas City Chargers game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the LA Chargers game. And the going for two thing is very interesting because it's one of those things that no matter what you do, someone's going to have something to say about it. So let's say they went out there and they got it like they did. Well, they're like, oh, that coach is aggressive and he wants to win. And But if they would have missed it, they'd be like, all they had to do was kick the extra point and go into overtime. Well, the problem with going for the tie in the NFL is that you're not guaranteed to get the ball back, right? So if they do that, and let's say they kick the extra point, boom, the game goes into overtime, Kansas City wins the coin toss, and they come out here and score a touchdown, boom, the game's over, right? Or they could go out here and kick a field goal, and then you can kick a field goal, and then since there's only 10 minutes in overtime, the clock runs out, and then you have a tie, and then you still can't win the division. So congratulations to the Chargers for, and Ian was exactly right about what he said, is that LA really did need to win this game because now now that they have the same record, and we'll see going forward who wins out and wins the division, but at least now the Chargers have a legitimate shot at not only winning the AFC West, but also they have a shot to be the number one overall seed and get home field advantage throughout the playoffs until, of course, obviously the Super Bowl, which is in Atlanta. And that's something else I want to talk about. So why is it that no one can ever get to the Super Bowl in a year where their city's hosting the Super Bowl? It's just an interesting thought for me because I've always wondered why teams were not able to ever pull that off. And so it's it's something that has always kind of crossed my mind because it's it's never happened, I don't think. Like maybe way back in the day, but I don't think a team has ever won a or even played in a Super Bowl hosted in their own stadium. That's almost also why I'm almost firmly against having these Super Bowls in NFL teams' home stadiums. Now, I get it. You don't really want the Super Bowl to be the same place every year, and every city should deserve to get a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But And, and there's not enough like alternate stadiums to go around. But how crazy would it be? Is it supposed to be a neutral site game? And, and the NFL is... And the college and football is the only sport where they play championships, well, except for college basketball. That's true. So college basketball, the NCAA tournament, the college football playoff, and the NFL Super Bowl are the only sporting events that aren't held in teams' home arenas or stadiums. Now, right, obviously, baseball, hockey, and basketball are series, and football is only one game. So I mean, it makes sense, but it's just it's an interesting dynamic of. We ask people, and for the longest time, they were playing these Super Bowls in domes or in super sunny cities where it never rained, like Pasadena, California. And that got me to thinking, why do we ask these teams to play all regular season long in whatever conditions, and then for the Super Bowl, we we seemingly try to make it the, like, 
we almost try to even it out too much. Like, okay, well, we'll just make sure that we put the game in a dome, and that way the weather can't be a factor. But isn't that what makes football great, is the weather? I mean, you can argue that that's what cost Peyton Manning the Super Bowl against Seattle when they had that damn thing in New York. Then the wind was blowing real hard, and Peyton was throwing them flutter balls. And they got, man, Seattle beat them down. Dude, that game was over so fast. I don't even remember what happened in the second half of that football game. That was just a beat down, beat down, beat down. And I think, in a way, because Peyton was already 1-1 one one in the Super Bowl. And he already didn't have to play great in the Super Bowl win. And then he throws the interception that loses the Super Bowl against the Saints in 2009. Here's the thing, though. After that, he was 1-2 and two in the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning has never really had a great game in the Super Bowl, if you think about it. I mean, he wasn't good against the Panthers. He wasn't good against Seattle. He wasn't, he was okay versus the Bears. And he was not really spectacular against the Saints. And so it's really crazy what, how people's legacies are defined, because I'm not sitting here at all and saying Peyton Manning is not a good quarterback, but I never thought I would say that anybody was better than him. And then, well, Tom Brady's going to be out here playing until he's in a walker um, because of his age, not because of you know getting hit by defensive players. But anyways, I think we've covered enough of the NFL for now. I'm starting to ramble. I apologize. I'm a little sleepy at this moment. But we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. So... Currently in the Eastern Conference, Toronto, I'm going to just give out the top eight seeds and maybe a couple more if, if there's a teams lurking around. So Toronto is the first seed at 23-7. and seven. Not really surprised there. They have Kyle Lowry, who's kind of been playing bad lately, but they also have Kawhi Leonard and a really good bench. Milwaukee at number two, 18-9. I predicted this at the very, very beginning of the season. People called me crazy. I thought they would be really good this year. Of course, Giannis is having an MVP type here. Eric Bledsoe is playing well, and they're stupid long, and they're really good defensively, and now they shoot threes. Uh, Philadelphia is in third place at 19-10. and 10. I honestly thought they'd be farther down than this, but they've been really good since uh, Jimmy Butler showed up. And is it safe to start calling Joel Embiid a crybaby? Like, dude, okay, you're getting the same amount of touch as you were before Butler got there. It's not all about you since you call yourself the process. I think he's really good. But I think for this team to be a championship team, Embiid's going to have to grow up a little bit. Uh, Indiana, 18-10. and 10. I think they're a one-and-done in the playoff team. But I think that I think they'll be right here, four, five, or six. I think that Victor Oladipo is one of the most improved players in the NFL. I've seen it in a long time, him and Kimball Walker. Number five, we've got Boston. I think they'll still get it together. People are freaking out, but, dude, they're only, like, four games out of the number one seed right now. It's still early. Brad Stevenson, coach. They got to figure out how to use all these pieces they have, and I think he's the coach to do it. The sixth seed is Charlotte at 14 and 13. Kemba Walker is a beast. He was a beast at UConn. I, I've always liked Kemba. I'm not getting into the MJ slapping the head thing of Malik Monk. I haven't even seen the video. Uh, Detroit is 13 and 13. And so the rest of the East isn't very good. And they've got Blake Griffin and uh, on, was it Andre Drummond. I think it's Andre Drummond. And that's an interesting team that is it, 
it doesn't their roster makeup just doesn't make any sense to me. And then you've got Orlando who's twelve and fifteen. I'm sorry, I'm not buying them. But the problem is Miami's eleven and sixteen. I mean, they don't really have anyone to carry that team. Washington is a is a mess and they're eleven and seventeen. And they're still only a game and a half out of the playoffs. I'm not buying Brooklyn, New York, Cleveland, Atlanta, or Chicago. I think they're all dumpster fires. Although I think Brooklyn is trying to be good. I just don't think they are very good. Western Conference, number one, Denver at 18-9. I also predicted Denver would be good this year with Jamal Murray, Jokic. Um, I think it's a... I think it's a cool little team. I wish, I mean, I don't have the roster. I think Paul Millsap's on that team. It's just, it's a tough team. And I'm, I look, I don't think that people are going to want to play them in the playoffs. Number two, Golden State. We don't, okay. Yeah, they have four all-stars on their team and one dude coming back from an injury that's also an all-star. Oklahoma City has been surprisingly really good this year. And Westbrook doesn't seem to be shooting nearly as much. Um, Paul George looks really good at times. I think they kind of play off each other. Steven Adams is very consistent. I think they're good. The Clippers are 17 and 11. They're winning without stars. They're tied with the Lakers at 17 and 11. And obviously, you know, the Lakers have LeBron. And I think that the, I, for the Clippers, I think they need to get some stars to really make noise in the playoffs. And I know they're clearing cap space to do that in the offseason. This year, Doc Rivers should get some coach of the year votes if this team makes the playoffs. Lou Williams for them has been great, and they lose all their stars, and they seemingly are playing good basketball. So we talked about the Lakers. Um, we know they need shooters, but Tyson Chandler going there has really helped out their defense. And they're, then you got the Memphis Grizzlies at 16-11, who I think are his record is better than they are. But I like the Jack. I like the kids. I like uh, I'm, I cannot speak tonight, guys. I like Mark Gasol and Mike Conley Jr. I've always liked them together. And then I think they have Jaron Jackson from Miss, from Miss, uh, Michigan State. I, I like him. I like what he brings to that team. Memphis will be interesting. You have Dallas, who's the seventh seed at 15-11. Luka Doncic is balling, but does he fit with uh, DSJ, Dennis Smith Jr.? Dirk's coming back. It's just an interesting dynamic when with some of these players. And the Mavericks are out here losing by 10 to the Suns at halftime. Um, I don't know how that's possible because they're terrible. Um, the Sacramento Kings are in the A spot. And they're really interesting because they have all the Kentucky dudes on their team. And I think Buddy... Actually, let me let me see. Well, I can't even. Let me look up their roster and see who plays for them. Because I know that uh, Willie Cauley Stein plays for them, but they have a really interesting. So I'm just going to go to one of their games and go to their box score. So they've got Willie Cauley Stein, De'Aaron Fox, both from the University of Kentucky. Amon Shumpert plays for them. When did that happen? I think I knew that. I didn't know he started for them. Uh, Buddy Heald. Uh, one of the uh, Justin Jackson from North Carolina, Kufis. They have a very, very, very interesting, weird team. Um, and then, of course, we're going to go back to the standings real quick. We have four minutes till they kick me off the air. Um, this will ever pull up. There it goes. And then you've got Portland sitting at 15 and 13 outside the playoffs. San Antonio, 
15 and 14, but they've won four games in a row. New Orleans is at 15 and 15. Utah's at 14 and 15. Houston's at 13 and 14. Minnesota's at 13 and 15. And then the Suns are 4 and 24 because, well, they're awful. Um, dude, the Suns are so bad. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's crazy how bad they are. And so, I'm going to go look to see who's playing for them. I mean, obviously, I know they have Devin Booker. And I think they have Dragon Bender. But I'm not going to sit here and guesstimate and make myself look like a fool. So, let's go to the box score. Oh, Dirk Nowitzki did show up in the game. He has two points. Oh, they have Trevor Ariza. Uh, one of the bridges. I don't ever, I can't ever. Oh, Michael Bridges. Okay. They have T.J. Warren, DeAndre Ayton. Oh, Booker's not even playing. Huh. And they have they have a Jackson on their team. They have Josh Jackson. Oh, that's that was the guy from uh, from Kansas. And so, Jamal Crawford plays for them, or is that Jordan Crawford? That's Jamal Crawford plays for the Suns. Since when did he do that? You see, I don't be paying attention to the Suns. Coming up on two minutes left. So those are kind of the standings running through the NBA. Just a little bit of my thoughts about each team. Um, I'm a Cavaliers fan. We're terrible, but, I mean, we're getting to play young guys. It's interesting to see this team not under the microscope because no one cares about them now that LeBron's gone. I think that hopefully they draft well and they don't pull another Anthony Bennett move because he was terrible, like – I hadn't even heard of him when he got drafted number one overall, and I kind of pay attention to basketball a little bit, but that was that was so bad. Like, it's it's one thing to miss out on a player, and we're we're coming up on 55 seconds here. It's one thing to miss on a player. It's one thing to miss on the number one pick, and the dude's not in the league like four years later. And I don't know anything about him personally. I've never heard anything bad negative about him. So I know you could say like Jamarcus Russell had the character issues, and that's kind of what derailed him. This wasn't seeming to be the case in Anthony Bennett. He just wasn't that good. And so, and I almost feel bad for the, I feel worse for the player because they didn't draft themselves number one overall. Like, they, I mean, come on. They knew that, he knew that he wasn't good enough to be the number one pick in the draft. Or maybe he didn't because basketball players thrive off their egos. But, Coming up on 15 seconds, this has been the Jesse James Show on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. I am your host, Jesse Williams. I will see y'all tomorrow night at the same time, same sports channel. Peace.